Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it. We keep it reals. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. All right, everyone, thank you and welcome back once again to a Mom Bear Apologetics podcast. This one's so much fun. I've got uh, Frank Turek on who is sharing an amazing book. I know he's got sound effects, people. I mean, this guy is the real deal. I'm waiting for the fireworks cannons, honestly. I feel <laughs> I feel a little gypped. Um, it's but- magic. It's just magic. <laughs> <laughs> now we feel like Disney princesses. Um, uh-huh. so he and his son wrote, who's also fellow air force hoorah, uh, they wrote this amazing book called Hollywood heroes. And in this book, they take modern classics, uh, that we're seeing. We've got Iron Man, Spider-Man. I mean, if it's on your kid's underwear, they are engaging with it. <laughs> um, and they are showing how these movies point back to big, biblical truth. And not only that, the chapters, Frank, which I absolutely love have discussion questions that you parents can take to have meaningful conversations, to take these great movies that you just saw and point them back toward Christ. I mean, this is just fantastic. That's what we tried to do. And as I say, my son gets most of the credit for knowing these movies because he was a movie buff growing up and he really started on Star Wars. Look, look, Amy, I'm old enough now. I was 15 years old when the first Star Wars movie came out. And I remember going to the movie and people were dressed up, you know, in these these costumes. Did you dress up? You know, it's a cultural... It's a cultural phenomenon when they're dressed up. And then my son, when he was 11, I think the Phantom Menace came out and that's when he noticed they were all dressed up and Mm -hmm. wow, it was a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. My brother for Halloween went as Darth Maul. Like he painted his face and everything, you know, the, like the black and the red paint. It was incredible. Uh, So yeah, I dressed up as somebody from Star Trek just to mess with him. Um, so this, this is great. So we talked, uh, in our last podcast, we touched uh, a bit on Harry Potter. We touched a little bit on Iron Man. So let's get, I I really want to look at Spider-Man and some Captain America stuff. So you say here in your book, there's an instant incident from Spider-Man's life to illustrate why God allows evil. Now, this is a tough question for anyone. And Mm. one that we get a lot at mama bears is how do I explain the problem of evil to my kiddos? So can you share a little bit about this incident and how it might help? Sure. Um, Spider-Man, it depends on which movie you watch, but, um, the movie where Spider-Man is robbed by a con man and, uh, the con man then is, uh, actually, uh, let me, I'm trying to remember how the scene actually goes, but what happens is Amy Spider-Man had the opportunity to stop this guy uh, from being robbed, but he didn't stop the guy from being robbed because the guy being robbed had conned Spider-Man out of something. It turns out, however, that the robber then left the scene of the crime and carjacked uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man's Uncle Ben, and basically killed him and right. took the car away, obviously. And as Spider-Man is on the 
pavement there on the sidewalk with his dying Uncle Ben. He remembers the last thing Uncle Ben said to him. And the last thing he said to him was, with great power comes great responsibility. And at that point, Spider-Man was born. Why? Because up to that point, Spider-Man was just using his powers to impress girls and to, you know, win bets and that kind of thing. He wasn't using it to help people and save people from evil. But after that evil happened to his uncle Ben, Mm. that impacted him to such a point that he said, I need to try and stop evil myself. And the point that we're making here is, is that there's always a ripple effect with evil. When evil occurs, it ripples forward. Even this happens with good too. It doesn't matter what the event is. It ripples forward to affect trillions of other events. And when we look at a case of evil that we can't explain, you know, why, why does God allow a baby to die? Mm. For example, right. I know why God allows babies to die in general, because Mm -hmm. we live in a fallen world, but I don't know why God allowed that particular baby to die. Mm. But I know why I don't know why I'm inside of time. I can't see the end from the beginning, but God can. God's outside of time. Maybe Mm. a baby dying today ripples forward through a series of ripples to affect trillions of other events to the point that 500 years from now, a great evangelist arises and saves millions of people. That event would not have occurred unless that baby died because of the ripple effect, right? I can't see that coming, but God can. And so Spider-Man shows the power of the ripple effect that Uncle Ben dying actually produced Spider-Man. It brought forth a, brought forth a great good where Spider-Man probably never would have become the true Spider-Man hero he was unless his uncle had died. Oh, that's a really great perspective. Yeah, I had never thought of it like that. And it I mean, it makes sense, right? Because if you're a teen boy, you're obviously going to use uh, powers to impress girls. But yeah. then once you see that there is purpose and design that mm-hmm. that needs to be harnessed and cherished and actually can be used to help influence the world, that's, that's fantastic. Now, of course, we got to talk about Captain America. So I've done yes. things with girls. Most girls only notice the muscles of Captain America. So for all of <laughs> for all of the girl moms out there, can you please help? What are some unique characteristics of Captain America and how those specifically relate to Jesus? Well, Captain America, unlike his counterpart, Tony Stark, mm. uh, Steve Rogers as Captain America is pretty much morally righteous all the time. Right. That's Tony Stark. Right. Tony Stark, you say, I don't know what this guy's going to do. I, he, he's never going to become a hero. Mm-mm. But of course, Steve Rogers is a hero from the very beginning. He's yeah. the scrawny kid that can't even get drafted in World War Two, who during the super the super soldier project actually decides to jump on a grenade to save his buddies. He thought it was a real grenade. It was a fake grenade. But he jumps on the, 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 the grenade to save his buddies, whereas the prototypical a uh, super soldier guy that one of the generals wanted to put forth as a super soldier. He hides behind a truck when the grenade is thrown. Wow. So, so Steve Rogers is morally good and righteous from the beginning. You don't have to worry what Steve Rogers is going to do. He's always going to do the right thing like Jesus, right? You never have to worry that Jesus is going to do the wrong thing. Jesus is always going to do the right thing, regardless of the consequences. In fact, Captain America will sacrifice himself to save his friends, just Mm. like Jesus, right? Except Jesus goes one step further beyond Captain America. And that is, whereas Captain America will die for his friends, 
only Jesus will die for his enemies, mm. right? Yeah. Jesus will die for his enemies. Captain America is not going to die for his enemies. And Captain America isn't morally perfect. He still can be too self-righteous. He can mm-hmm. still, you know, be a bit of a stickler. Jesus is perfect always, mm-hmm. which when you read about Jesus, you go, this guy is so authentic. There's no way he could be made up. Nobody could make yeah. up this character, Jesus, particularly fishermen uh, who lived 2000 years ago. They couldn't have invented this guy. Right. Right. He really existed. And the last chapter in the book, Hollywood Heroes, is about Jesus, the ultimate hero. Wow. That's awesome. And it makes sense why uh, why Captain America and Iron Man are always butting heads, too, is they are just this opposites. And it's it's oh, makes yeah, for a fun yeah. dynamic. Yeah. Tony Stark calls him a Boy Scout. Yes. Right? Yes. Oh, and then, of course, uh, um. Steve Rogers goes back at Tony Stark, you yeah. know, saying that you can't be trusted. You know, mm. I could be trusted, but you can't. Mm. So they go at it and they actually are on crisscrossing character arcs. That's what the directors of these movies said. Mm. Whereas Steve was always righteous. He never really had a personal life. You know, he was always about the mission. Whereas Tony Stark was the opposite. He really didn't know what his his role was. And uh, what his purpose was until later, he had the personal life. He didn't have the professional life. And they kind of went on crisscrossing arcs. You notice at the end of, uh, I think it was Endgame, where uh, Captain America actually decides to go back and marry his lifelong love. Oh, that's right. He uses the time machine to go back. You remember Peggy Carter? He goes back and marries her. So he actually takes advice from Tony Stark, who basically said, Hey, you need to get a life, man. You just just can't be all about fighting bad guys. You got to have a life. And so he gets a life. Whereas Tony Stark gets a real mission. Yeah. He gets that purpose. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I grew up with a huge, huge Star Wars fan. So, of course, we got to now talk about Star Wars because here we've got all of these breakout series. In fact, that's one thing. Um, I love the Mandalorian because I think what's so great about there is it really lifts up fatherhood and nurturing, which is mm-hmm, an aspect mm-hmm. within manhood that we need elevated. So I'm loving what's what's been going on in culture. But I got to talk about Anakin Skywalker. He's one of my kids' yes. favorite, uh, favorite characters and everything. So Anakin Skywalker and this whole fall into the dark side, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just a great way to teach about sin. So what what are some things that you notice as you were watching these movies with your son and as he's watching them, how it teaches us about the nature of sin? It teaches us about the nature of sin in a biblical, it, it's mirroring what the Bible says about how you fall into sin. Because mm. James, the half brother of Jesus says, basically that we are enticed, we are Lord enticed and carried away by sin mm. as if uh, a fish is caught by a lure or a a bear is caught in a trap. That's what sin does for you. And it starts small and then incrementally builds up to the point where you're doing things you never thought you would do. And this is what happens to Anakin. Anakin can't seem to uh, get rid of his fear. He was, he's always afraid he's going to lose something. He's going to lose his family. He's going to lose his power. He's going to lose his job. He's not going to be able to keep up. Right. And he goes on this character arc from where he's supposed to be the one, mm-hmm. right? He's supposed to be the Jedi who's going to defeat the Sith to the point where he's so fearful that he's going to lose what he already has. And Yoda says to him, you know, you must, you must let go of your fear. You must let go of your worldly attachments. And mm-hmm. he can't get rid of his worldly attachments. Those worldly things are everything to the him, to him, to, to where he gets to the point where he, he murders 
innocent women and children. And then when the Sith Lord reveals to him who he is, you would think Anakin would try and strike him down. That's the guy he's trying to fight. But instead, the Sith Lord says, I know what you want. You can Mm. keep your family. You can keep your power. I can give it to you. And he gives in and does go with the Sith. And even George Lucas in an interview said, this is the point where Anakin succumbed to the devil, to Satan. Mm. When, when, when he gave into the Sith Lord. Yeah. And then, as you know, what happens to him, he tries to take on Obi-Wan and he gets his body burned. And then who rescues him? Well, the new emperor rescues him, puts him in a case of armor. And uh, who is it? Anakin, no, or was it Obi-Wan who said he's more man or he's more machine than man? <laughs> you know, he's more machine yeah. than man now. And notice in Lucas's films, Amy, that sin is expressed in physical deformities. Oh. So people on the dark side have physical deformities. The emperor, he's all shriveled up. His eyes are bloodshot. They're red, right? He looks ugly. Darth Vader is all burned up and he can only be sustained by this breathing machine, right? Mm -hmm. Lucas admits this, right? You look on people on the light side, though, like Luke and Leia, you know, they're beautiful. They're perfect. They're, they're, yeah. They have no imperfections in them. And it, it goes right because uh, I, I love how this was done in the movies. So let's talk about Darth Vader, right? Mm-hmm. And how this asks the question, begs the question of, well, do bad people get to go to heaven? Because that is one thing that everybody struggles with and even struggles with answering. And I really like the imagery that's used in the movies, but I'd love to hear from you. What about Darth Vader's journey? Can, what does it show about bad people going to heaven? Yeah, that's a great question. In the book, Hollywood Heroes in the Star Wars chapter, we have a section called the bad people go to heaven. And we say, how can Darth Vader go to heaven? Here's a guy who, when he was Anakin, actually murdered a lot of people, even women and children. And then, of course, when he became Darth Vader, he'd blow up entire planets. Right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And, And so how could how could this guy go to heaven? And we point out the answer to the question, do bad people go to heaven? The answer to the question, as we point out in the book, is only bad people go to heaven. Mm. Why? Because there are no good people. Oh, sure. Maybe we're better than our neighbor. Maybe we haven't gone as far as Darth Vader, but we're still sinners. We only appear good against the standards of bad people. We don't appear good against the standard of of God, against Mm. the standard of Jesus, against the standard of perfection. And if God is infinitely just, and he is, he has to punish sin. Otherwise, Mm. he wouldn't be infinitely just. That's why Jesus has to come to take our punishment on himself. So we say only bad people go to heaven. And notice in the Star Wars series, I think it's Return of the Jedi, where after Luke, by the way, spoiler alert, if you don't know this by now, after 46 (laughs) years, you've had your chance. That's right. That Luke is is the son of Darth Vader. Um, When he redeems his son, or when he redeems his father, I should say, and, uh, uh, he takes his helmet off. You remember this scene? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Darth Vader says, or, or 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 Luke says, "I must save you, Father." And Vader says, "You already have my son. You've already saved me. Tell your yeah. sister you were right." Right. And then he dies. Yeah. But where do you see him in the next scene? He's transfigured. Yes. With Obi Wan uh-huh. and with Yoda. Right. Yep. So. It's like it's like the transfiguration. (laughs) There's a there's an afterlife there. Yeah. So you got Darth Vader, Obi-Wan and Yoda appearing in the afterlife after he has passed on. Now, of course, this isn't a direct parallel to Christianity. He's just borrowing some imagery here. 
Because as we know, we're saved by grace, not through good works. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting that Lucas is borrowing from the biblical story here, the transfiguration, to point out that there is an afterlife in his Star Wars universe. Yeah. And and that's what I love so much about that transfiguration is it actually shows that no matter what state you were on this earth, when you are redeemed through Christ, you are made new. And that's why when mm-hmm. he appears, he is he's back to who he was he's and glowing. even better. Yeah. He's glowing. And yeah. uh and and that's what's so amazing too is when people struggle, especially with, you know, how can someone who hurt me or hurt my family uh if they accept Christ be in heaven and and I believe it's Clay Jones that he wrote that look, when they're in heaven, you won't even recognize them. And right. that's, yeah. I, and I love that. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I love that aspect of the movie too. Cause it's like, Oh, this is what it's yeah, like. You know what else I love about star Wars too. If we just got a minute out, I just love the whole redemption of Han Solo. Oh yes. And you, did you notice how there's a parallel with his character in Indiana Jones as well? Similar. Oh yeah. 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 Well, it, okay. So share. Okay. Well, the thing I love about Han Solo is he is the, the skeptic who's on the good side. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he starts out by saying stuff, look kid, I don't believe in any of this force this mumbo jumbo Mm -hmm. it's just simple tricks and nonsense you gotta have a good blaster at your side yeah and then he's got all the best lines like he has all the snarky lines oh i love him just like just like tony stark right he's like (laughs) look your worshipfulness you know, he says yeah. stuff like, look yep. at worshipfulness. I'm not here for your little plan. I'm here for the money. Yep. I expect to be paid well for what I, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Oh, you, you just couldn't let a good looking guy get out of your sight. Could you? you I know, know that, he gets mad at being called scruffy looking. Like she calls him a nerf herder and he's like, wait, scruffy looking. What? Like that's, that's what right. insult, she insults his hair and he's, he's offended. Yeah. And, and then she calls him a scoundrel and he goes, well, you love us good scoundrel. Yeah. He's though. like scoundrel. You know? It's like. <laughs> My my little 10-year-old self was like, it's about to get saucy. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, so he's in debt to who? Jabba the Hutt, who, by the way, yep. is way bigger than a hut. And a, he's frozen in carbonite by Jabba the Hutt. And who comes to redeem him? Luke Skywalker does. Mm-hmm. And he literally cancels his debt by killing Jabba the Hutt. Oh, so nice. he's a rede- he's a redeemer. He cancels mm-hmm. the debt. That's so the debt's over now. The guy you owe the money to is dead. Right. Mm-hmm. I've come to save you. And then through another series of events, I think that 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 love that Luke expressed to save his friend Han actually pays off later because later uh, Han Solo becomes a believer in the force. And how does yeah. he become a believer in the force? Through the evidence. Mm-hmm. He says, I've seen it, kid. It's all true. The yeah. force is real, all of it. Why? He's motivated to at least look at things because of the love of Luke Skywalker for him. And then secondly, when he does look at the evidence, he realizes it's true. Same thing is true in the Christian life. We ought to try and bring people into the kingdom by loving them, by showing them that we care about them. And then secondly, by showing them the evidence that it's Absolutely. true. And as you know, Han Solo starts out as he's just in it for himself. Solo mm-hmm. is the perfect name for him. It is. Right? It really Han is. Solo. It's all about me, man. Yeah. You know, but then he makes the transition just like Tony Stark does from it's all about me yeah. to look, I'll sacrifice myself for the truth. And as you know, he's killed by his son in a later movie. Yeah. Uh, Han Solo is for trying to tell him the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was so sad when I watched it. I'm like, no. I love him. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. No. Great. And yeah. And and it's great because you see that coming uh, coming to faith through evidence in Indiana Jones as well, which is what I loved as a kid. Is here he's this this skeptic archaeologist, but then through experience and him wrestling with it, oh, he takes that leap of faith in the final movie, and it's just it's it's awesome. I love it. Great stuff. 
All right. So we have done Star Wars. We've done Harry Potter. We have done a lot of great superheroes. So, of course, we've got to talk about the amazing hobbits because, I mean, what sort oh, yeah. of podcast would this be if we didn't throw Tolkien uh, into the mix? <laughs> right. I, honestly, I think it would be blasphemous if we did that. So That's right. We have to do it. Now, we say in the in the opening of Hollywood Heroes, Amy, that most of the movie franchises we're looking in were not made with Christianity in mind, even though the writers couldn't help put Christian themes in them because yeah. they're living in God's world and they know what resonates with audiences. However, the, the two exceptions two. to this are Harry Potter, we already mentioned, because mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling claims to be a Christian. Again, don't know her spiritual condition, but she claims to be a Christian. And then secondly, Tolkien, when he wrote Lord of the Rings, was a devout Catholic, and he said, this is really a, a, a Catholic work, even though he mm. took all the overt references out of the movie to religion. It comes through with his characters and how he wrote the storyline. Yeah. So the Lord of the Rings is a Christian work, but it's not a direct allegory. He did not like direct allegories. He wanted mm. he wanted this to be a more subtle approach. And if you notice, what Tolkien does is he divides the Christ figure among three main characters in Lord of the Rings, Gandalf, Mm -hmm. Aragorn, and Frodo. Gandalf is the messenger. According to Tolkien, he's an angel. So he's the messenger. He's the strategist. Uh, Aragorn is the returning king. Who's the returning king in Christianity? Jesus, right? And Frodo is the hobbit who Mm -hmm. is weak. And he has to rely on Aragorn and he has to rely on Gandalf and others to get the job done. And this is kind of a trinity, if you think about it. Yeah. Because Aragorn, or or let me say, uh, Gandalf has to plan salvation. Mm -hmm. Frodo has to accomplish salvation. And Aragorn has to inspire salvation in the people. Mm -hmm. And this is what the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit do, right? Frodo can't accomplish the salvation unless Aragorn keeps the orcs out of Mordor or lures them out of Mordor, right? He has to give him safe passage to get to Mordor. And uh, Frodo has to rely on other people to get done what he needs to get done. Mm -hmm. He's weak. And who expresses weakness when he's here on earth? Jesus. Mm -hmm. He doesn't pull rank. He goes to the cross willingly and expresses weakness. And if you notice in the Lord of the Rings story, all the major characters, I would say all, most of the major characters, let me put it another way, where Tolkien's true Christian colors come out, Amy, is when he uses weakness to defeat evil. Yeah. Frodo and Sam are weak. They defeat evil. Schmeagol actually helps yeah. them defeat evil through providence, meaning that although Schmeagol should have been taken out, Gollum, whatever you want to call him, right, should have been taken out long ago for all the evil he's done, Gandalf says to uh, Frodo and others at some point, hey, show mercy to Gollum. Why should we show mercy to Gollum, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think he has some role in the story. He does. What role does he have? Despite the fact he's trying to get the ring for himself, he's the one that actually accomplishes the mission by putting the ring in the lava, right? Mm -hmm. Which shows that there's a behind-the-scenes force that's helping things get accomplished behind the scenes. And that's God. That's his providence. Yeah. Uh, so that's what uh, Gollum does. But I, I digress. I digress too far from my main point. My main point was in the Bible, the, the greatest characters are weak. Yeah. 
right? Mm-hmm. So Paul is weak. He says, when I'm weak, I'm strong. Why am I strong when I'm weak? Because I know I'm weak and I have to rely on God to get things done, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Jesus goes to the cross in weakness. Uh, so many of the characters, Mark, he can't even complete a missionary journey. Paul doesn't want to take him again, but what does he wind up doing? He winds up getting with Peter and writing the gospel. Matthew's hated. He's a tax collector, but somehow he writes a gospel, uh, John is just a kid, but somehow he writes a gospel. Uh, Mary Magdalene is, you know, a formerly demon possessed woman of questionable background. And yet yeah. somehow she's one of the first witnesses of the resurrection. These are all weak people. And what what Tolkien is doing is he's taking the weak characters and making them heroes because yeah. in real life, that's who the heroes are. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And that. I love that. And it's great, too, because you see that with C.S. Lewis. They both picked weak characters to be able to bring about great glory for God. You've got the hobbits. You've got children who uh, typically are not seen as going to be doing all that much, especially fighting in battle. That is so unexpected. And yet it's this beautiful reminder of all those times that Satan tries to tell us that we aren't good enough, that we aren't smart Mm -hmm. enough, clever enough, whatever. All of these lies that Satan loves to heap upon. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Y'all are my people. You're the people I want to use. And it's, it's awesome. Because in this brokenness, in the weakest of states, even like uh, Gollum, his his broken state, like even glory can be seen through that. So it's That's incredibly right. encouraging. That's right. And I love the scene too, where uh, Frodo just basically collapses just a few hundred yards from Mordor. And what does Sam say? I can't carry it, but I can carry, carry you. you. Oh, I right, love Sam. He so was so he so he carries. He which is a perfect example how Jesus carries us right in our mm. weakness. He carries Frodo to to the to complete the mission. Yeah. And in fact, Tolkien said the hero of the entire Lord of the Rings series is Sam. Yeah. He's the servant. Yeah. Right. Uh, even, and- even though he's he's continually dissed by Frodo. Like, mm-hmm. leave, go away, right? Yeah. You know, I'm going to Mordor alone. And Sam says, Of course you are, and I'm going with you. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a whole Harry and the Hendersons thing. He's trying to get him to go away and Sam's just there. And it's it's great because servanthood, especially today, servanthood is vilified. You're actually seen as being objectified if you're a servant. I mean, especially uh, with women, you know, we aren't supposed to even take that role because that's offensive to us as women. And no, being a servant is such a blessing. And I love seeing it in these characters, especially Sam. Um, You know, you do see someone who is long suffering and models these amazing spiritual gifts that, that we all need to have. And oh my gosh, it's just. Hey, it's, by the way, if our Lord can be a servant, can't we? If he yeah, can we, stoop low enough to be a servant, <laughs> the guy, the, the being that created us, right? Yeah, who are we to can complain? we? Gee, I, I wonder. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Huge mystery, apparently. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> right. okay. So, Batman. Well, well, I think yeah. we got Batman, and then we'll probably have to wrap up here. So, Batman, another All huge right. one. They just had the latest movie come out. Have you seen it? Yeah, well, actually, I haven't seen the latest. My son has. I have seen some scenes from it. What yeah. did you think? Did you see it? I I did see it. I wasn't overly impressed. Uh, yeah. In fact, probably that I, I told my husband, I was like, it's like we're watching like a bunch of fan fiction of emo Batman. And, um, and oh, that's, yeah? that's kind of what it was. It was just, he was just weak and simpering. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't believe that he was a hero because he's huh. just kind of like writing brooding poetry all the time. And, <laughs> and, uh, I, th- I think one of these newscasters, they called him like, he looked like he was auditioning and got rejected from my chemical romance, this band. And I'm just like, this is not like who we think of Batman, like Christian Bale. That's like, okay, cool. I can, I can get on board with it. So not too huge of a fan of this latest well, one. 
This last movie is not part of the book Hollywood Heroes. The, the book was written before this movie came out. But I did notice there was a line at the end that was quite interesting. And I'm paraphrasing. I don't have it memorized. Maybe you okay. do. Where he says that people need hope. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He says people need hope. They need to know there's someone out there for them. Mm. Well, there is. Yeah. His name is Jesus, the, the creator who created you. There is someone mm. out there for them for us. Yeah. And so that is a good line at the end of that movie. But in, in the movie franchises, we looked at the other Batman movies. Yeah. Uh, what we noticed in, in this uh, Amy is the fact that I think the Batman series has the most accurate depiction of human nature. Ooh. In other words, notice that Batman is always fighting in the dark. Number one. Why? Right. Cause that's when the bad guys are out. Right. Okay. Men love darkness rather than light. Mm -hmm. Nothing good happens after midnight. Right. Yeah. That's when evil really comes out. And secondly, notice he can never take a day off. Why? Because, well, look, he'll lock up one bad guy in Gotham. That doesn't mean Gotham is now turned into a utopia because human nature is such. There's so many more bad guys out there. He never wins. Yes. He continues to have to fight evil. And it seems futile because he never can say, all right, my mission's over. Right. Your mission's never over because you're you're going against human nature. And uh, Batman is going against human nature. The other interesting thing is out of the Batman series, I know a lot of people hated this movie, but it, it addresses so many of the most important questions. Batman versus Superman. I don't know if you I saw that movie. I haven't seen that one. No, I haven't seen that one. That's uh, Ben Affleck, right? Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about it is that one of the most vexing questions ever is raised explicitly in the movie. And the, the Lex, Lex Luthor brings it up. Lex Luthor says, if there is a good God, why is there evil? He's either not all good or he's not all powerful because he hasn't stopped evil. And the reason Lex Luthor's bringing this up, not to spoil the whole plot, was because Lex Luthor thinks Superman is the God of this world and he's an evil God because he didn't stop Lex Luthor's father from treating Lex Luthor badly when he was a kid. So what Lex Luthor does is he says to punish this God, I'm going to get Batman to kill him. And that's why it's Batman versus Superman. Okay. But here's the interesting thing. This is, this is expressed clearly in the movie. Here's the interesting thing about all this, Amy, is that notice that Batman, or I should say Lex Luthor, is upset that God hasn't stopped his own father, Lex Luthor's father, from treating him badly. But yes. Lex Luthor is not upset that God hasn't stopped him from doing evil to other people. Boy, isn't that notice when we complain about evil, we always complain about somebody else doing it. It's always Absolutely. like, hey, God, why don't you stop him? Or God, why don't you stop her? We never say, God, why don't you stop me? I always ask people this, and we ask, we ask them in the book, Hollywood Heroes, we ask them, if God were to stop evil at midnight tonight, would you still be alive at 1201? Yeah, right. Yeah, because I wouldn't be, right? Nope. Because if God wanted to, look, he has two choices to stop evil. He can take away our free will, mm. but if he takes away our free will, then we can't love either. That's why he gave us free will, so we could love. The mm. problem is, is it opens up the possibility for evil. Yeah. Or the second thing he can do to stop evil would be to quarantine it. Well, mm-hmm. That's what he does. It's, it's called hell. Mm-hmm. He ultimately quarantines people in a place called hell. So the evil they want to do can't affect other people. But to this point, he hasn't done that yet because he's waiting for the full number of the Gentiles to come in. So Batman expresses uh, human nature better than any of the other series in there. It also 
we get into Batman versus Superman in there. So there's a lot in that chapter. I don't have time to obviously get into right here. No, thank you. No. And that's fantastic. I didn't know that 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 question was posed in that movie and how fantastic of a segue for parents to use. Like, hey, if you're watching this with your kiddos and they've wrestled with this or you're looking for a way because a lot of parents, Mm -hmm. right? They're like, I don't want to just come out the gate at my kiddo with this uh, with this question. But this is an awesome way to raise it and, and wrestle with it. That's that's phenomenal. Thank you for that. So. Frank, we are just, we're wrapping this up and I've, I've loved doing this with you. This is such a great resource for our parents out there. It really does spark great apologetic conversations, spiritual conversations. Um, so I, of course, this book is just fun to read just because you're able to look at movies in a totally new way before. It's like seeing the matrix. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Same with these, you <laughs> see the parallels. So other than for just the pure fun of it, mm-hmm. um, can you just give some practical uh, approaches to how this book can be used for whether you're talking to your coworker, kids, you know, how, how can we best put this resource to work? Well, th- well think about this parents. Do you think your kids are going to be more excited about Let's just open the Bible and uh, do a lecture on it, which you have to do sometimes, right? I mean, look, you got to teach your kids the Bible. Movies are not a substitute for that. Mm. But is it, would it be fun to, you know, one night say, hey, let's do movie night. And we're going to use the movie night. First of all, we're going to read a chapter from Hollywood Heroes on the movie we're about to watch. And then we'll watch the movie and then we'll discuss it. And we'll talk about the pros and cons and the parallels to Christianity and the parallels to Jesus in here and the apologetic issues that are brought up. And that's a more fun way of getting the same kind of lesson across. And so I think that's one of the fun ways you can do. You can also use this, obviously, with your youth group, your small group or just personally. You won't look at movies the same way again, particularly the movies we cover in this book, if you get the book and actually use it. That's fantastic. And I can I can testify to this fact because our church had done, like I said, did it this last four weeks and we have never had to hike so far across our parking lot that we have these past four weeks because there are so <laughs> many people in church. If you can tell kiddos, I mean, there's a reason Jesus incorporated food in a lot of his engagements. If you can throw some popcorn and some Coke oh, and yeah. movie in there and point it all back to Jesus, that is a banner Friday night. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely. And invite your friends over too. invite your non-Christian friends over. You know, with your with your the, the non-Christian friends of your kids. Hey, you know, with their parents permission, we're going to watch Iron Man tonight. We're going to then we're going to talk about it. Wow, that could be fun. right? That would be great. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you've got older kiddos in the house, have them bring their yeah. friends over. You can supervise the crazy and spark yeah. some great discipleship opportunities. Exactly. That's awesome. Frank, where can we get your book? Well, anywhere, obviously, uh, we have it on our website, crossexamine.org. Click on crossexamine.org. Just click on store up there. And then, of course, anywhere you get books, Barnes Noble, Amazon, um, Christian Book Distributors has it. Wherever you get them, you can get them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out your week to be able to come and chat with all of us here at Mama Bear Apologetics. Amy, you are more fun as an interviewter than anyone. You get a round of applause. There you go. Right there. Awesome. I feel so special. (laughs) Everybody, thank you so much for joining. Again, check out Hollywood Heroes, how your favorite movies reveal God. Get it wherever you can. Put it to good use. I promise you're not going to regret it. Frank, thank you so much for being here today. God bless. Amy, great being with you. Check out our podcast, too. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Absolutely. Yes, this resource is fantastic. Seriously, go check out crossexamine.org. You will not regret it. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. 
We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. We are all in this together.